So in today's podcast episode, I want to specifically ask mental health therapists, how would you like to increase your caseload and only see your ideal clients? How would you like to set your clients up for success? And how would you also like to ensure that the treatment that you're providing to your clients will be effective? So stay tuned for today's podcast episode. Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. All right, so welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast. This is your host, Dr. TK, clinical psychologist and number one therapist business coach. So if this is your first time tuning in on my podcast and or on the YouTube channel, I want to welcome you just to explain my setup and actually how you're going to get the most out of today's episode is that it's really important that you get a piece of paper and you take notes because I guarantee you, you will be able to take fast action Also, I have my podcast set up for those of you who are watching via YouTube, so I will be looking at the screen because I want to make sure that I cover all the points. And so today we will be covering the five steps to levels of care in terms of how to have a better therapy practice. And so um, you may be wondering, what are the five levels of care? Just to give you a little bit of background, I was first introduced to the five levels of care when I was working for the county and I was working in the juvenile facilities. And at that time, I was informed that we were pretty much the fourth level of care and that there was one more, which was inpatient hospitalization. And so I had also knew a little bit about it, but I wasn't that familiar with the levels of care when I was working at a group home because I just knew that there were always levels above where I worked and also below where I worked because that particular group home served 16 boys on average. It housed them for up to 30 days. And those children either were initially just pulled out of their parents' home through DCFS and or they were abandoned maybe in jail and their parents did not want to come pick them up. Sad, right? So what ended up happening over my years of really understanding levels of care I started to implement the verbiage, the understanding of levels of care into my private practice because I recognized that a small handful of clients, they needed to actually be referred out. So I first want to let you know that this episode is actually good, not just for therapists, but also for potential clients who want to gain a better understanding of why sometimes a therapist may recommend another type of treatment to address their presenting problems or their symptoms. And so let's go ahead and dive in. Let's first define the five levels of care. And so the first level of care is more early intervention, right? So early intervention would be if we're at a school, the kid gets sent to the counselor, whether it's the academic counselor or the therapeutic counselor. In mental health, it may be a private practice, but also we have level two, which is outpatient services. And so outpatient services can serve as a private practice, whether it be a solo practice or a group practice. Outpatient can also be an outpatient clinic, which is pretty much in hospitals in the community. And that's where someone can make an appointment and you can see your therapist, you know, on an individual level 
family and or in a group. Now, in a third level of the levels of care, we have what's called intensive outpatient or patient hospitalization services. So this may be where someone is in a very short-term inpatient facility, and that may be for substance use. Maybe it's a seven-day intense program. Also in the county, because I'm in Southern California and I was working in Los Angeles County. So what be what, what would be equivalent, I'm sorry, to the third level of care are services like RAP, W-R-A-P, where the client gets more services, maybe someone who's available on call or a team that's on call. They probably will meet with more than one person on the team. In the RAP program that I was a part of with some of my uh, youth that will come out of the facilities, is they would have me as an individual therapist, but then they would also have a a caseworker that would come and pick them up once a week to pretty much either get things done, like get an ID, get a driver's license, make sure they're going to the doctor or get them out into the community to do something positive. Um, But then we may have a family meeting session and then they would also be on call because these are more higher risk clients that may need more attendance from providers. And that is a lot more than what potentially a private practice can offer. So that is level three, that's intense outpatient. And then level four is what's called residential or inpatient services. And so for inpatient services, some people are familiar with the 5150 code and Just because I am a college professor and I'm a clinical supervisor, I do want to correct people when they use that term for children. The correct code when a child is inpatient is is 5585, at least in California, okay? Also, not every provider can clearly hospitalize a client. We actually have to be tested in the county in terms of going to a class. I was certified for up to the time that I had my job at the county. And then when I transitioned into full-time private practice, I could not state that I was a what's called LPS designated psychologist because I didn't have those credentials because those credentials were directly correlated with my job at the county. But nevertheless, when I was working in the facilities, if a minor in the juvenile hall were to exhibit symptoms in which after doing an assessment and consulting with my supervisor and other clinicians who work with that kid, including probation, I would then make the determination if that minor would have to go to the hospital to then get evaluated again. Because again, outside people, we may make the recommendation to then hospitalize someone. However, we do not deem that the person stays at the hospital. That's actually the hospital's protocol, okay? So level four is inpatient or it can be residential. So remember just a moment ago, I talked about me working at a group home. So that group home was considered level four, which meant that the kids stay there or we have adult facilities as well. And so the fifth level of care is actually full-blown managed intensive inpatient services or medically managed, which means that they may be in a place for a long period of time. They may be on psychotropic medication, but nevertheless, I hope that you can just see by me identifying the definitions of how level five in the community or in a hospital is very different than a private practice. And so you may be wondering as a therapist coach, why am I choosing to give this information? And simply put, I want to help you improve your private practice, your mental health business, the therapeutic 
techniques and strategies that you do with a client. And so I want you to be able to determine if a new client, most importantly, is appropriate for your level of care. And so as I mentioned, private practice in my eyes is the lowest level of care, even though we can pretty much fall into level one or level two. And the reason for my rationale is because if I have to talk to a client more than once a week and I don't deem it to be you know, appropriate based off maybe my schedule and my availability, then that means that I can't truly serve the client at the level that they need beyond what my schedule is. And so that's one area is that I want you to be able to provide as a mental health provider quality care, which means that the clients that you attract and keep on your caseload should match the way that you conduct therapy. So if you conduct therapy once a week with no contact in between, then that client and their symptomology has to match that level of care, if that makes sense. All right. Um, Another thing to think about is determine proper referrals. If you have a client on your caseload and then maybe later after they open up, you start to determine, wow, I think that they need more than what I can provide. Or maybe this client needs various services and you know of a place in the community that's a one-stop shop versus this client seeing like three to four providers. Maybe this client has you for general coping skills for anxiety. Then they see a psychiatrist at their hospital. Then they were mandated from DCFS to get parenting. And then they were also mandated by DCFS in California to get anger management. And so why should that client go to four different providers if we know, for example, of a one-stop shop location in our community, okay? Also, what you want to think about in terms of level of care is that it may dictate the type of treatment along with the frequency of treatment. So as I mentioned, certain clients with particular symptomology, they may need to talk to you or see you in session in an office or telehealth twice a week. And if you know that either that is not the way that you conduct treatment, that is not your preference, or you're not available twice a week, then you have to make sure that you screen those clients out. Ideally during the consultation process, which is what we teach in the academy, is to build a thorough consultation process even before you get to the intake to see if you can find out as much information about that client and their history as possible. Now, another thing you want to really look at when we're talking about being business owners and having abundant lifestyles and really choosing how you work is that certain clients and their symptoms that dictate their level of care can literally dictate your schedule and as I just mentioned, your availability. So let me ask you a question. Did you get into private practice to really set up the structure for how many times you wanted to see your clients? Do you want to stick to that schedule if it's once a week? Are you attracting clients who you find that you're serving, but they need more services? I don't like to say the word attention because that may be their symptomology, but maybe they don't have the proper coping skills. Maybe they do need to see someone twice a week. Maybe they do need to be an individual therapy plus group therapy plus family therapy, depending on their situation. And so I want you to tune in for a quick second and I'm gonna introduce you to the Dope Therapist Academy. I really hope that you're enjoying today's podcast episode. And yes, I am interrupting my own podcast to invite you to check out the Dope Therapist Academy, also known as DTA. We help therapists move from living check to check 
not seeing their ideal clients in their practice, feeling overwhelmed as a result of running their practice by themselves and not seeing real profits in their business. All you have to do is head down to the show notes and click on the Dope Therapist Academy or visit us at www.drtk.com forward slash DTA. This program has helped numerous of therapists in over 30 states and it can help you too. The DTA program is perfect for any therapist or clinician either starting or revamping a private practice to experience exponential growth and earn 10K months or something better. So in just less than 60 days, our five-step profitable brand model will teach you the strategies to build your dream caseload for your ideal clients, create a profitable business blueprint so that you can have your dream schedule, gain clarity about your niche so that you can add streams of income beyond your wildest dreams, develop a wealth mindset as a business owner, not just an entrepreneur, so that your private practice can generate true profits, press the automation button in your back office so that your business can run effectively and efficiently while you live abundantly, and lastly, we'll help you delegate tasks to complete and accomplish the freedom lifestyle that you deserve. So regardless if you're a newbie, existing private practice business owner, or you have a private practice on the side part-time, you deserve to create a business and lifestyle full of abundance. So to learn more about the Dope Therapist Academy program, be sure to click the link in the show notes. And now let's tune back into our podcast episode. All right, so now that we're back from that brief commercial, I want to share with you a case study about how I've experienced implementing levels of care in my private practice. And I want to give you some tips in terms of if this situation were to present itself, how do you have an effective conversation with either a potential client or your current client? And so part of my case study is that I've actually had less than a handful of clients that have qualified for a higher level of care. But because of my experience with those clients, it has made me think, a little bit different when I do the intake in terms of what questions I ask. And then I also, if I see some red flags in the beginning in terms of maybe me not being a good match down the line, maybe after a few sessions, I will go ahead during the intake, not the consultation. I will provide psychoeducation and spend about three minutes explaining to the client different levels of care. Now, of course, I'm not going to go over all the terminology like, you know, medically inpatient and outpatient and things like that. But really what I want them to hear is that a private practice, my private practice is the lowest level of care. So if they need additional services and or their frequency of treatment, um, you know, over a significant amount of time needs to increase, I only provide therapy once a week. And so if that is not going to work for them and what they feel like they need, then I actually am not the best provider for them. And I'd rather be upfront with somebody, whether they are insurance pay or private pay, because I'm looking at the quality of treatment. All right. So like I mentioned, I had less than five clients that had been referred to me through insurance panels and or private pay, which meant that they just found me through a online directory or a Google search. And I had to refer them out about half of those clients. Let's just say about two to three of those clients I was able to refer them out and catch it during the intake process. Now, the other half of the clients, it was literally about two of them throughout my whole 10 years in private practice, is I those things did not come up until the client 
my assumption felt more comfortable or maybe there was a stressor that triggered these things to come up for them. And then I started to see a higher level of symptomology in terms of severity. And we had to, you know, start talking about the levels of care because initially I wasn't introducing that topic to, you know, new clients. And so I want to give you a real life example, of course, without divulging confidential information, it will be a snippet case study, but I just want to show you what it could look like on the worst case in the worst case scenario, because there are more milder case studies. But I tend to find that when I share some of the more higher risk clients, um, as far as case studies, therapists can kind of gauge, you know, how to make their decision. And so one of my clients, after about six months, they started to exhibit psychotic symptoms. They started to exhibit a lot of paranoia. They denied any auditory or visual hallucinations, but you can tell during the face-to-face session that they were responding to internal stimuli, meaning something was happening, but they did not want to talk about it. And so after um, me noticing a trend over like a two to three week time frame, and this person um, sending me messages through the client portal and constantly leaving me voice messages, letting me know that it was an emergency and they needed to contact me right away. They needed to have an extra session a couple of times a week. I started to have the boundary conversation with this person just to let them know that I am not ignoring their phone calls. But typically what happens in my practice is that all of the phone calls go to a voicemail and on that voicemail, which is what I would encourage you to do as well is that I add my email address and my website and I let people know how to schedule a consultation or how to contact me on a HIPAA protected platform. And so with that said, this individual client's boundaries were very loose despite me providing them with psychoeducation in terms of how my policies and procedures work and how often I can see them. It was very clear that this person needed more help. It just wasn't that they wanted to talk. They really, really needed help more than what I could provide in a 45 to 50 minute session. And then on top of that, because sometimes in private practice outside of a five to 10 minute break, sometimes we're seeing clients on certain days of the week back to back to back. So what typically would happen with this client when she started to deteriorate is that I had a hard time getting her out of my office. And so it would go over the time and that became an issue because of course my clients waiting in the lobby see me walk this person out or see me shortly leave because my office was like right in the front. And so if you're the client that always comes after this client, you may start to feel a certain type of way like, wow, she keeps interrupting my session because now it's pushed my whole schedule back unless I have a lunch break where I can go over but I want to respect others, people's time as well. And so I realized one, that my availability no longer matched this particular client. However, you want to make sure that when you communicate to this client about a potential need to up-level their care, you want to express empathy and you also want to validate their emotions. It is not fun to open up your Pandora's box to a therapist and then you have to switch to a different therapist because some clients don't see it as a level of care, even though they said that they understood it because now they're looking at a disruption in the relationship. And then if there is internal stimuli going on, they may start to make assumptions potentially about, um, cause this was said to me is that the person thought that I just wanted to abandon them, that I didn't like them, that I didn't want to work with them. And that clearly was not true. That is actually very unethical. And so I worked with that client for a few sessions. This individual did not want to take 
the referrals. Therefore, I mailed her the referrals because she did not want to take them physically. And I just documented the process and why I was moving in the direction. And the reason why we stopped treatment is because her attendance with myself because of this conversation began to become flaky and I still have policies and procedures in terms of missing sessions without calling, not responding to my phone calls or my emails even after the session, and then also not wanting to take responsibility of paying the no-show fee if a client doesn't show, okay? So let me just put something out there. You are not abandoning your client if you refer them to a higher level of care. The biggest thing you wanna communicate to this client is that you want to ensure that their mental health needs are taken care of, and you know that because of your schedule, you are unable to attend to their needs. You want to make sure that they get with a good therapist that can, and that goes back to the conversation about levels of care. Also, you want to reiterate that private practice is the lowest level of care. So when you're making your referrals, don't make another referral to another private practice unless that particular person has an on-call policy or maybe they have a team. If they have a group practice, that might be a little bit different. Maybe the group practice... Uh, shares a phone and everybody is on call, you know, one day a week or something like that. I mean, I've seen that in community clinics, not necessarily a group or solo practice, but if that's the way that the practice is set up, maybe they get funding by the county. Maybe one of those funders says that they have to be available and have someone on call every day. So if that's the case, yes, refer them to that, but do a warm handoff. I like when I'm transitioning my clients for them to have the intake with the new facility or the new provider, and then they see me for one more session after so that we can debrief and properly uh, not necessarily graduate them from treatment, but of course, terminate them off my caseload. And then I can do a warm handoff to also that other therapist so that if the client approves that I can speak to that other therapist, we can make sure that also the client doesn't have to repeat everything they've said to me and that therapist can pick up where we left off. And so um, some other things to consider is that because maybe your availability does not match the need of this client at the time, you just want to make sure, I cannot reiterate this more, walk them through the process. Do not just simply say, because your symptoms are getting worse, I have to refer you out. That sounds like abandonment. So you want to give them psychoeducation about why the referral should and or in some cases needs to be made, okay? So to have a smooth transition, let's let's take it all the way home, all right? So to have a smooth transition with a client who needs to go to a higher level of care, um, you want to make sure that in the beginning you conduct a thorough intake because certain things can be caught if you ask the right questions. Also inquire about details from previous treatment. Now things to consider that I believe most therapists do, but I don't want to make an assumption, is that you not only ask the client, have they been in therapy before, but you want to ask them at what point in their life did they go? Did they go voluntarily? Did they go as a teenager? Was it mandated? Were they five years old and they haven't been since and they're 35? Did they go to family therapy, couples therapy, individual or group? And what was their overall experience? What was the presenting problem, if they can remember? And what was the outcome? Meaning, did they finish? Did they graduate? Did they just stop going? And why? You want to ask those questions because even if it was 15, 20 years ago, sometimes people develop a narrative about what you're going to be like in therapy because of an experience that they had when they were five. And so you, or the story that they made up, because maybe they can't remember what therapy was like when they were five. And so you want to make sure that you do a thorough intake. Also inquire about their previous treatment. 
Also take a look at their diagnoses. See if you can get a hold of previous charts, diagnoses, length of treatment. Did they finish? Why or why not? If the client presents with symptoms that raise a red flag during the consultation and the intake process, you should go ahead and have that conversation. So the reason I shared that case study of some of the clients, I can tell right during the intake, I would need to refer out. And then some clients I was not able to tell until I was working with them over time. Because of my experience with those five clients, I chose to have that conversation with every single client that comes on board, despite if they look high functioning, because some people can mask their symptoms very, very well because they've been doing it for a very long time. So don't let people doing well and work and being married and coming in smiling fool you because they clearly are seeking out therapy for a reason. Okay. Also, if you serve a higher needs population where you know you serve a population that may require or request to see you more, then you want to, again, embed the levels of care conversation from the beginning. So as a recap, we define the five levels of care. We talked about some of my case studies in terms of what that would look like. I provided you with tips of how to have a smooth transition of having conversations even from the get-go of starting treatment with someone and then providing empathic statements and also validating their emotions because it is not it is not feel okay to be told that you have to go find another therapist even though we know we're going to help them that's the way that you know a client can hear it so I hope that you really enjoy this episode whether you are watching on YouTube or on the podcast please let me know what was your biggest takeaway either in the show notes or in the comment section If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, then please do so so that you can be alerted of new and upcoming episodes. I talk about abundant living along with business strategies and tips for mental health therapist businesses. And then if you are following on the Apple iTunes, then please follow myself. And then again, leave me feedback. Let me know what was your biggest takeaway, because I would love to also give you a shout out on my Instagram, which is Dr. TK Psych. And if you're a visual person, you definitely want to go over there because I post, you know, whether it's lifestyle photos with tips embedded. And then I'll also provide some challenges like, you know, take what you will from this branding challenge, this client avatar challenge. And then of course, as I mentioned earlier, the Dope Therapist Academy is an awesome place for mental health providers to learn how to build a profitable foundation and back office for their private practice. And so if you want to learn more about the Dope Therapist Academy, check out the show notes so that you can check out what we have coming up. Throughout the year, we have different things, but if you want to check it out, make sure to at least get on the wait list. And I really enjoyed your time today. I am grateful for you tuning in and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle. 